If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome along to episode 45 of the Early Excellence Podcast. In this week's episode, I chat to Ruth Swales and Aaron Bradbury about their fantastic new book, Early Childhood Theories Today. We talk about the writing process. We talk about all sorts of things, really. The benefits of the book, and there are lots of benefits. It's a great book. And we talk about the link between childhood theories, both old and new, and the practice within EYFS classrooms. So there was all sorts there to get us talking and get us thinking. Um, We started with brief introductions from Aaron and Ruth. Okay, right, so we'll get started. Um, Hello, Ruth, and hello, Aaron. How are you doing? Really well, thanks, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us on the Early Excellence podcast. Um, Now, of course, I know both of you, but not everybody will know both of you. So would you mind us starting off with a quick introduction? Um, Ruth, should we start with you? Do you mind introducing yourself to everybody? Is that that right? Yeah, that's fine. I'm Ruth Swales. Um, I've been working in education for almost three decades now. Uh, Passionate about early years. I know it's a long time, isn't it? Um, I've been a primary teacher, early years teacher, head teacher, Ofsted inspector, advisor. And now um, I do lots of consultancy work and I'm currently in the process of writing the Oxford International Early Years Curriculum. Fantastic. That sounds really interesting. It is. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, very much. Very good. Thank you very much. What about you, Aaron? Tell us a bit about yourself. Hello. Hi. Um, I'm Aaron Bradbury. Um, I'm the Principal Lecturer at Nottingham Trent University um, and... I absolutely love early childhood, as you can probably tell. My background is very varied, really. I started in education, ended up in community early years services um, and then local authority children's services. So that's a bit of a background of me, really. So, yeah. Fantastic. Super duper. And you both joined us, of course, because you have recently brought out a book. You've edited and contributed lots towards a book. And it's this book here. Uh, I've got it just here. Early Childhood Theories Today. And it's a beauty of a book. I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. We stock it at the centre, the Early Excellence Centre, and uh, it's, uh, it is very eye-catching. It draws you towards it. You can't help but go and have a quick look at it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Fantastic. So um, you've both edited the book. There are different contributors to the book as well. There's a, it's like a, a who's who of early years education, this book, isn't it, in terms of who's in it. It is absolutely amazing. You've drawn to drawn together so many fantastic people. Um, can you tell us a bit about, about the book? You know, what was the starting point for it? Um, well, Aaron contacted me um, out of the blue, really. Well, Aaron and I have known each other for a while. We've, we first met um, actually via Twitter, but um, That's right. uh, on... Um, I went to Crec to, to start my MA and one of the people in my group said, oh, I think my boss follows you on Twitter. And it was Aaron. Um, and then we met uh, when I would go to Crec because Aaron lives near where the Centre for Research to Early Childhood is. So we would meet and have coffee and we got to know each other. And then we went into lockdown, didn't we? That's 
that's right. And, uh, yeah. and I started a virtual staff room and Darren and I got to know each other really well through a virtual staff room. So we developed a friendship that sort of started offline. Um, but then, you know, in, in lockdown, I think we all got a lot closer. Yeah, and then out of the blue, after we came out of lockdown, one day I got this phone call from Aaron who said, you know, I'm um, thinking about a book. Um, would you like to join me? And like, like you do, it's quite exciting. I thought, well, I'll think about that. Can I fit that in? And yeah, Aaron, Aaron had already had the idea of yeah. what the format of the book would be. So that that's his baby. I just came along for the ride. <laughs> And I, and, I, and I just thought, I just thought, you know, I, I, I couldn't ask for anybody else. And I was I, I was kind of the, the call was very much like, Ruth, do you fancy writing a book? And she was like, oh, uh, um, um, uh. but 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 after after like 10 minutes, it whether she wanted to or not, it was always going to be Aaron and Ruth's edited book. So, yeah, it, I mean, the, the, the idea very much was um, this is where the conversation kind of went, really, wasn't it, Ruth, that we wanted to do something different. But we wanted to still hold on to the core values of what early childhood and and, and really about the theory. Because we, we hear so many theories banded around and what we should do, but we didn't want to kind of take away from that. But we wanted to bring some new kind of researchers, theorists that are, are doing some great work today as well. So we, we we had this idea and ultimately this is what, what what's come out of it really. Yeah, fantastic. I, I love the way that it it, you, it kind of traces all of those different theories and key people in early childhood education over yeah. sort of basically the last hundred, maybe maybe more years. You know, you, you've got sort of Julie Fisher there, of course, who is bang up to date and absolutely fantastic in the present alongside, you know, Malaguzzi and, you know, the Reggio Emilia theories alongside yeah, yeah. older theories as well. And, and lots of, you know, fantastic, fantastic research, but it's also a very practical text in that, yeah. in that in each, in each section, you've got these sort of case studies that relate to, actually people right now in the classroom or in their setting yeah. and and how they make sense of it and i think that makes it really important i'm, I'm not aware of another text out there that does that i don't know whether you are but i i, I don't know of another text out there that, that that's really that's really what we wanted to do you know we wanted yeah, to absolutely give somebody you know thinking whoever you are whatever stage of your career that you're at that you can look at that and think well what does that mean for me in the classroom because you know, people like Aaron and I nerd out on on research, and we love that kind of thing. But you know, we also remember what it's like to be in a classroom, and and yeah. research is exciting. But the day to day practical stuff is is where it's at, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think for for us, really, we when me and Ruth kind of came together, even though our passion is early education, you know, and, and education and children and early childhood, we both came at it. I think what's worked is we both came at it from different lenses. So I came at it very much from the idea in my head around student practitioners, um, people who are on courses to kind of get in there early, getting them thinking critically for their practice. And Ruth had that, but also the currency of of, of practitioners today as well. So there is there was no kind of this text is specifically for this group of people. And I think that's what makes it so um, usable and, and friendly and, and accessible. Absolutely. It is very much that, I think. I, what, I, what I like about it is that I think sometimes we have, in early years education, we have certain phrases that people use that it's a kind of, 
it's, it's, it's sort of almost like a headline and this is then the approach. So sometimes Reggio Emilia is used in that way. You know, we've got a very Reggio approach. It, could be, it might be something that people might say without necessarily knowing what the whole of the depth and the thinking is behind it. You know, so I, I hear that quite a lot. You know, I see that quite yeah, a lot. Yeah. That, you know, the, the Reggio Emilia is far more than just a stripped back approach and a natural yes. approach, isn't yeah. it? It's far more than yeah. that. And yet There's actually, a lot more to it than that. In some respects, it's come to be that, hasn't it? That Reggio has come to be a kind of a stripped back, neutral classroom. Yeah. Well, you, you kind of see, don't you, Andy? You kind of see it when you go into settings and they go, oh, we're a Reggio approach. So let's all stick a bit of Hessian on our, uh, our walls and, and like kind of, you know, but absolutely. And I think um, Ruth, will, Ruth will interject as well. I think that's what the chapters were kind of trying to, to, to gauge. For example, in Malaguzzi's chapter, you can see that there is this kind of narrative around cultural awareness that you can't literally pick Reggio up from Italy and drop it in the middle of Birmingham and expect us to kind of have the approach. Um, so I think that's what's so exciting about it, really. Um I think for me as well, what's been really nice is that I've had people say to me, you know, really experienced people. I've got a colleague who's who's an experienced HMI who said, you know, I've learned something new from this book. So even when you think you know, you know, I mean, one of the things that I've discovered over the years is that, you know, there'll never be enough time to know everything that you don't know. Um, but, yeah. you know, when you think you know a lot about early years, there's some stuff in there that actually, oh, I hadn't heard of that theorist or I hadn't thought of them. You know, we've got a couple of theorists in there who are not necessarily um, thought of in terms of early years, but we've related that to early years. And I think that's really Absolutely. important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's nice to hear people saying, actually, you've made me think about my practice. And I think... The other thing that you were saying, you know, that people say, oh, we're very Reggio. Well, actually, you know, not everybody gets that depth of of theory as part of their training because it mm. depends on what route you take. So you yeah. might find yourself in early years and not even have heard of, of some of these theorists. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, here's a, a way to read, you know, a little bit about them that will give you a flavour that if you are interested, you can go and find out more. I yeah, and I also think as well it's a very good middle ground for people. And what I mean by that is is that I think that say if you if you weren't if you didn't know a lot about say the work of say Margaret Macmillan, for example, mm. you might be very daunted by the idea of going and getting a whole book out all about the work of Margaret Macmillan. Whereas actually mm, yeah. and and realistically practically earliest teachers and, and practitioners will are exhausted by the end of a, a school Absolutely. day or the end of a day working yeah. in a nursery and to be fair wading through a great big long text is is a is very daunting at that yeah. point and so not very practical whereas i think what you do here within the book is that you you have put together the key information that you really need to know and then how do you, how you apply it, you know, how you think carefully about it, which I think is great. Absolutely. I mean, even, even like what was so nice for us was we got other people to write, obviously an edited book, we got other people to write the chapters. So as they were coming in, I'm not going to give too much away because obviously we want people to buy the book and read the book. But um, but obviously Margaret Macmillan's chapter for me and Ruth just blew us away. Um, and even at the book launch, it was just, everybody was just in awe about this, about Margaret Macmillan, you know, that, that uh, it was just, yeah, it, it, it's, what, what I think it does do is it's relatable 
and 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 actually it, it just made us realize that margaret mcmillan and owen were just grace owen were, were just like we, they were talking about things a hundred like a hundred years ago that we're talking about today and it was just it was just like oh my god like you know it was just really it was yeah. called it nursery wars but we were talking about it, it and saying that um it kind of reminds you of some of those discussions that you see on social media you know the way that millen Mil- yes. and owen were kind of at loggerheads yeah. about certain things it was you know, we haven't really changed a lot. No, we haven't at all. There's always that debate, yeah, the heated debate. Yeah. They maybe didn't have Twitter in those days. It would have been quite no, interesting no. if they'd had a bit of a Twitter fallout. But there were, there were lots of letters in it that were exchanged that were, yes, <laughs> interesting yeah. to say the least. But, it, but I, I do think, though, that, it, that it, it worked in the book, even though it was a different style because it was very much looking at historical, it, it, it kind of rounded the book off, I think so, really, really nicely. And we, we both loved it, didn't we, Ruth? It was just like, yeah, this is a good ending to the book, really. And I think that's kind oh, of what we noticed, wasn't it? That as we were getting the chapters in, you know, we, we thought very carefully about which things theorists um and and also who you know who would write them and as we were getting those chapters in what we could see was almost this golden thread running through all of them which is very much about putting the child at the heart of everything which as you know is what we're both really passionate about yes yeah and and really making people think about why do you do what you do and again that's something that as you know we're always saying well what's what what's the reasoning behind it so I think what you said before about where people say, oh, we're Reggio or we're planning in the moment or we're this or we're that, sometimes people will say things and you'll say, okay, can you tell me why you do it that way? And they find it quite difficult to articulate. And that doesn't mean that they haven't thought about it. It's just difficult to put it into words. And I think what this book does is it helps people to see that actually there are some common themes here and this is the th- these are the reasons behind it. These are the theories. Here's the research. So it empowers practitioners, I think, to say, I do it this way because, and here's the research yeah. to back it up. And did you have a, a, a list at the start for, of, of people that you wanted to, to contribute? And and did you give those? I'm just interested to know the back. Did you did you say did you phone up? You know, so you know, a certain person and go right. Do you know what you've got? You've got Margaret McMillan. <laughs> or did you? Or did you say right? Kind of. I mean, I mean, I'm going to be honest. We we, we did we did put um, kind of a very long list of people because we weren't bothered whether the book was going to be 12 chapters or 24 chapters. It's just it's just how it worked. Um, and we we approached quite a lot of people, didn't we, Ruth? Really, I would say within our within our community, we probably didn't leave anybody out. But you, you know what it's like. Some people have got different priorities and stuff. And these were the guys that just came back to us and said, "Look, we would love to write with you." Um, me and Ruth kind of had an idea of who we'd like to be in the book, but we we allowed them to kind of choose, like. For example, Kate um, Irvine did a fantastic piece on Bourdieu and she was like, well, I'd love to do it, but 
I'm really, really keen to write about Bourdieu. And me and Ruth kind of thought, well, how's that going to fit with earlier's? But it just does. And it and so we allowed we allowed them to choose really. Um within within a within a frame, like you know. I think yeah. as long as we could find a way that it related to young children, then we didn't yeah. really have a problem with it. And I think what's interesting about those chapters, I'm thinking about your chapter on Stephen Bavalek and Bourdieu, yeah. who are not necessarily thought of as early childhood theories. Mm-hmm is that they are relevant and actually what's happening, what we're seeing nationally, you know, in England in education is quite a lot of the research that's based on older children is being used, on, uh, yeah. you know, to, to justify things with younger children. So I, I, it felt kind of right in a way to sort of say, yeah. well, let's have a look at this then, you know, because there's a whole discussion at the moment, isn't there, around cultural capital um, yeah. because Ofsted are talking about it. But, yeah. you know, when when you look at Kate's chapter, it's obviously a very different thing from what Bourdieu uh, initially intended mm, yeah. Yeah. when he coined yeah. the phrase, you know. But yeah, it's still yeah. relevant, yeah. still relevant to, to early childhood. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think what it does, I think, the book, because you've got those sort of the historical figures and the historical context to it, it shows you that all of the things that we talk about now are not new at all. You know, when 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 we talk about basically cultural capital or kind of a, a, a kind of a knowledge rich curriculum, you know, whatever that might be, you know, and 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 so on, and the and yeah. the the discussions around whether we have that or we don't have that, and how you go about getting to that. It's not new at all, is it? I wonder really if in a hundred years' time there'll be, um, uh, you know, other people having the same discussion about what we do in early years with young children. I'm, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure it's an ongoing thing, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Is, was there anybody that, in terms of on your original list of, of people that you wanted to look at, was there anybody that you then didn't get a chapter on that you thought, oh, if we write book two... That person's going to be in book two. I had a couple in mind. I mean, I'd I'd really like to look more deeply at the work work of um, Chris Pascal, uh, Tony mm. and Tony as well. But yeah. just because, obviously, having the um, both Aaron. I mean, you studied at Craig, didn't you, Aaron? Yeah, um, did, and yeah. and you know, having studied with them, and also just the, the huge influence that they've had, uh, you know, over the last few years. I think it would be well, decades, not years, I think it would be remiss not to have a look at their work and how it yeah, how yeah, it's yeah. influencing our work today and how we can use that. And I think there are also some some great people coming through, you know, who've, yeah. who've recently qualified, you know, got the PhDs, who I think I'd really like to look at, um, uh, at Minet's work. I'd really like to look at um, the work of Helen Helen Lyndon, who's, who works at Craig, yeah. because she's just got a PhD. Yeah. And I think, you know, Let's look at some more contemporary people as well. Bring it right up to date. We're already thinking about book two, aren't we, Alan? We are. I was just about to say, we, we obviously this is not a definitive list and we we have thought about how, I think the mixture of having, you know, ones that we know, like the greats that we probably have learned to know, mixed in with quite contemporary people and those are the names that we've we've, we've kind of flouted about potentially book two. Um, so yeah, so I think that style kind of works. So we're already, me and Ruth are already planning book two because we've been asked, haven't we, for by practitioners mostly. When's book two out? And we're like, hang on a bit, we've only just released book one. That's um, a bit of a break first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, it, it it is interesting, isn't it? It is one of those things that once you get started with it, 
yeah. it almost kind of it leads naturally on to another book, doesn't it? Because you kind of you think, well, that's, yeah, we've got to focus on that person. Like you say, there are contemporary people that really do yeah. also need to be in there alongside Tina Bruce and alongside Julie Fisher. Yeah. There needs to be probably other people in there too. And and I, I think there's so much exciting day. stuff going on. There's, you know, there's new things coming out all the time. I'm, you know, another person to think about is somebody I've interviewed for for my own radio show, um, Nathan. Yeah. You know, Nathan Archer is working yes. on, on activism. He's really interesting, particularly in the current context with the whole, um, you know, pressure that we feel to be more more formal and how do we work within the parameters that we're in. But actually, yeah. do what's right for children, which I think is what you know. We're both, both Aaron and I are all about, yeah. you know, yeah. what's right for children. And interesting also to think about where you would, where you might sort of or might not draw the line. I suppose in that you know, do you go into a sort of a scientific kind of side? I was thinking, you know, I spoke to um, just a week or so ago. I, I interviewed Sam Wass on on the, mm. for the podcast, and. Uh, and he was fascinating. He knew a neuroscientist based in London and yep. talking about how young children develop concentration and focus, focus you know, skills and, and what we know about young children learning to concentrate and to focus and what works and what doesn't work. And it, it was really, I found it really interesting because it wasn't a kind of a, although he was working with very young children, I it wasn't a traditional kind of early years research approach yeah. as such in that he was talking about things around the home or things you know things that children might watch in terms of on a screen or on television that might or might not lead to them being focused or to concentrate uh, as well as other things too and the, the kind of the link between that and 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 learn the learning process I think is really interesting so it's yeah, it is. It's that kind of idea. Of where do you stop with it? Is is fascinating, isn't it? Isn't maybe, it? maybe book three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we we have already talked about you know obviously with Minaya's work around neuroscience, and actually, you know, I think I think what Minaya's really done is shown our practitioners that they they can be you know just as just as knowledgeable as 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 our scientists really you know um and 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 then also i think there's an element of psychology that we probably need to bring in and around you know we've we've talked about dr pam jarvis for example and i mean she's done some fantastic work that we would like to try and highlight and is still an advocate today for early childhood so again it, it, you're absolutely right it, it's like where does it stop but we but we, i don't think we want it to stop do we we want to carry on um, what's been really great we started a, a book club um, and we started that this week and we're just going through a chapter at a time um, and looking at, at each chapter and each each theorist and that's been really great to have those discussions and talk with people who are working in settings you know in PVI and in schools every single day and saying you know how has this book how how did this chapter influence your thinking what have you done differently or or even just for people saying actually i hadn't really thought about my work in that context before but when i read that chapter i thought oh i do that i do this and and they're reassured by it so it's been great to sort of take that and take it off the page and have these real discussions about it and i think we'd like to continue to do that because I mean, I learned so much from that discussion that we had on, so on tonight, yeah. Wednesday night, wasn't it? Yeah. It yeah. was just fascinating to hear people yeah. talk about it. And it must, I guess, as well, you know, just the, the process of writing a book 
is is just well your book particularly is is certainly collaborative in that you know there's a group of people there who contributed to to the book but then presumably it then goes off to the publishers and it goes quiet for a little while I don't, I don't know when it went quiet, Andy, but... Um, it, uh, it, wasn't, it was a short period between editing and publication, it but it wasn't long. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? And no. then it comes out, and then I guess there's a, there's, a, there's a drawing of breath kind of moment where you think, how's it going to be received? Do you get, did you have that? I don't know. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you were confident yeah, with it. I, did you know it was going to be I, a success straight away, or did you, were you thinking... I don't think you ever know, really. I, I, I think... I think um, so, so it is a democratic process with an edited, edited book. I mean, it, it's. It, I think. I think me and Ruth work really, really well together because we 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 know what we want and we find a way of it working. And actually, it was quite harmonious, wasn't it, Ruth? Like there was no. There was no ding dongs. No, not at all. <laughs> no fights. No, no, nothing. No, no, not at all. No. <laughs> I told you I wanted Mar- Mar- Margaret McMillan in the book. <laughs> no, nothing. But, Everything um, was fine. It was absolutely... Yeah, but obviously, with, with an edited book, it ultimately is mine and Ruth's book. And then what you do is you you find the authors that, you know, and actually the, 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 it was such a democratic, it was such a lovely process. It was so lovely to work with all of those people um, that... It, it just worked. So they kind of gave us a little bit of confidence, I think, that we knew that when the book would come out, that... I think you're in a different position do, yeah. to me, Aaron, though, because you've published lots of books, whereas I've yeah. always shied away from it. Um, as as you know, Andy, I'm not afraid to sort of speak my mind and, and, and in a room full of hundreds of people will quite happily say what I feel. But I think when you commit something to paper, that's a little bit... I don't yes. know. There's something about that. It does make me reflect on the writing process process for children. Actually, that putting something on paper and putting it out there is a little bit like putting a bit of your soul on the line and saying, "See yeah. what you think yeah. of that." And that's quite scary. So even as a fairly yeah. confident person, there is this sort of feeling of, you know, I can remember sort of about two or three weeks before it went to the publishers, saying, "Saying uh, to Pete, oh, I hope, I hope they like it," you know, and yeah. and I think. It would be fair to say, though, I mean, we were quietly confident, but I think even we were surprised at just yeah. how well received it's yeah. been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's done better than... I, it's done better... It, it's done. It, it's been received better than... I, I don't know if it's better than I thought it would. I, I knew that it would be useful, if that makes sense. But I, I, the, the feedback we've been getting is just phenomenal, really, and very humbling, really humbling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know, I, also, going back a bit, I, I, I know exactly what you mean, Ruth. That, you know, that idea of committing something to paper, to being published, is yeah. different, isn't it, to speaking in a room? Is, yeah. is different to just putting it's something there out forever, there. It's forever, isn't it? It is, absolutely. I was talking to Kerry Murphy, who's written a great book on, oh, yeah. on um, special educational needs in the early years, and she was saying what I put in the book was what I was thinking there and then. It's what yes. what I felt right there and then. I I don't necessarily agree with absolutely everything in the book right now. Maybe like a two, you know, a year or two later. Yeah. yeah. And I think there needs to be that flexibility to be able to to say that. You know that I, I think yeah, sometimes we we do see what's written down as being set in stone when actually in early years education, once you stop reflecting yeah. and challenging yeah. yourself. You kind of get stuck a bit, don't you? I think we've always got to challenge ourselves. 
And, and definitely, I think back to the practitioner I was when I started in 19... 19- mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and sort of think, oh, gosh, you know, if I went back, I wouldn't do that. What was that, 1962? Thank Ruth? you. <laughs> 1962, <laughs> you know, you can see how you practice. I mean, I can remember thinking sort of in, in the early noughties, goodness, I wonder how anybody learned anything in my class. They did, you know, but you're yeah. thinking in your practice changes and... I think it would be unfair to to say that you don't expect people who write things to have changed their opinion. I also think there's something about if you're in a room with people and and presenting, if somebody challenges you, you can go a bit deeper and explain your thinking and clarify, whereas you put something on a page um, and people will take from that what they will and it might yeah. not necessarily might be what you intended and you have no means of sort of saying, no, 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 I meant this. So I think for me, when I was writing, I wanted to be really, really clear um, so that it couldn't be misinterpreted. But I am very aware that that's almost impossible. <laughs> it is really. Yeah, it is. I think I think what we, one thing that we and the other authors of, of the chapters, if you're writing about somebody who's around today, actually them reading your chapter... Um, so they were approached, obviously, Andy, before we said we'd like to write about you. And they were very humbled, weren't they, Ruth? And, you know, really lovely. Um, but when it actually came out and they got the book, that was probably the scariest moment. I was yeah. going to say, yes. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, writing about somebody who could appear on your doorstep looking quite cross. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am really hoping that, you know, the very fact that we, you know, have chosen them as a contemporary to go in the book. And yeah. I think what we've written yeah, about, the reason that. that we chose those people is because we have a tremendous amount of respect for yeah. those people. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, we wouldn't ever write anything no. disrespectful. But, yeah, it is. No. there is a little bit of a... A moment when you think, oh, goodness, <laughs> you know. Was there a, you know, with your list, sorry, I'm just sort of thinking things through now. Say you with your list of people who, who you, you were thinking, right, this this person needs to be in the book and you've got your list there, okay? There are a certain number of people you think definitely, you know, Macmillan and, and so on and, you know, uh, Malaguzzi and, and, and so on. Were there any, was there anybody that you thought, Oh, we. I wonder whether we should put that person in, right? And then thought, oh no, that's controversial. Was there anybody controversial that you thought that would really stir things up? Or maybe you thought the opposite. Maybe you thought actually we will put a certain person in because it will challenge people a lot. We didn't really, that's, did that's, we? If I'm honest with you, we, we, when when the list came back to me and Ruth. It was more about a common thread. Yeah, it was more a common thread. And Ruth said it right at the beginning that there was a common thread about child-centred practice, voice of the child, you know. And actually what what we realised very quickly was they all interlink together. Um, I I can't say that we might not be controversial in book number two or book number 10 or whatever, you know. But but at, at, at that moment in time, we felt that the theorists and the pioneers that we've put forwards were the right ones to kind of get. I, I do think I do think the book has changed, is trying to change a, a narrative in some way. I, I think it gets you to think. So it could be seen as controversial in that way, maybe. Um, 
but no, it all just seemed to work. I think we're trying to challenge the status quo around, you know, yeah. this is how it is and these are who the greats are and, and you know, what you were saying before about, no, you know, not moving on and not really thinking and reflecting about, well, who's out there now? What we're trying to do is pull those together. But I think because we both come from a place of being child-centred, we probably, probably didn't even enter our um, sort yeah. of thought process to put somebody in that book who, who isn't. Um, yeah. I mean, there may be something in future to look at people who have a bit more of a a view that, you know, which is, you know, quite popular at the moment, that if you sort the curriculum out, it doesn't really matter who the child is. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm oversimplifying that there. That's not really what people are saying. But I think when it's taken to extremes, as, some, as sometimes, you know, when things are misinterpreted, that mm. does happen that, you know, it's, well, this is our curriculum and you have to fit with it. Um, so, you know, there may be scope for that later on, but it just doesn't really sit with the way yeah. we think about children. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's interesting. Yeah. No, I, I think I was thinking about this particular book in relation to my own practice. So thinking about if this book had been available kind of early earlier on in my career kind of thing, then kind of what what I would have dipped into and which which figures I would have found interesting at that particular point was uh, um, in terms of in terms of my teaching and my, and my career I I didn't read a huge amount early on you know I did my training and I qualified and I obviously went into the classroom and early on didn't do that much reading around kind of other you know approaches yeah. or theories and, and so on there didn't seem to be that much time to do that. I, I just yeah. kind of cracked on and, and did it. Um, I was lucky enough to be involved in research a bit later on and, and, and writing and things like that. But actually, initially, I didn't really feel that I had time to do it. And I think actually yeah. this book would have would have been accessible at that point to do that. Interestingly, the in what I felt that happened was that I did what over time I did what felt right that what feels right for you, you start to notice the children, you start to notice them being engaged and absorbed in something and it feels natural and it feels right in terms of the learning process. I did what felt right. And then when I did start to read up on things, I, found, I was amazed that what people had said were actually what I was, was actually what I was found, it had found. Yeah. So it was almost sort of retrospectively, Kind of researching it and finding that actually what I what I discovered myself was there within the literature was there within the research, yeah. which I think it's, is quite I think interesting. Sometimes it's, yeah, when you read it, you think, "Oh, I'm a Frobelian." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that kind of thing, yeah, and I think yeah. I think lots yeah. of people will find the same from your book that yeah. actually people who've not necessarily done lots of reading, but have really thought and reflected about their on their practice. We'll come to your book and dip into all of these great figures and think, crikey, do you know what that is? I've noticed that. I mean. That is like my practice. Yeah. I have I've found that also. You know, I've it's ongoing working in a classroom, we don't talk about it like this enough, I think, is ongoing research, isn't oh. it, really? Yeah. You know, you notice things about your children, you you're reflecting on it, you are you're thinking about meeting their needs. You're, it is ongoing research. And so it, I think there's a real light bulb moment when you're there as a teacher or practitioner and, and you notice or you read up on certain figures and you think, crikey, that's just what I've noticed yeah. <laughs> and observed. Yeah. yeah. 
Lots no, of people said that to us. Lots of people said, you know, did. I didn't know yeah. about that person, but actually I yeah. do that all the time. And I think yeah. some of it is instinctive. If you're used to working oh. with young children, it just makes sense, doesn't it? And it's what you do. Absolutely. And, and then you yeah. find out that the, a theorist has written about it. <laughs> and, what's, and what was so nice about the book club that me and Ruth did the other day was that really what, what came out of it was theory was the the lens for practice. So it doesn't matter whether you've kind of looked at the theory first and then gone into practice or, you, you know, like most of us, we've gone into practice and then kind of gone to the theory. And that that's what they were saying, wasn't it, Ruth? That it, it, it kind of it kind of gave them a reassurance. I don't, I, like one one teacher said, I've been I've been a teacher for many years and what's really nice is I've read the book and it's just reassured me that that actually what I'm about is child development and the child and it was it was music to our ears really it was it was just lovely I think sometimes people need confidence don't they they need because yeah. early years education is such a specific area Mm. You know, it can be quite a lonely place, can't it? If you're I the only reception teacher, on, yeah. yeah. If you're the only reception teacher in a school, mm. and you there isn't a nursery, perhaps, which is very common, of course. Oh, you yeah. are the only yeah. person doing your job. There isn't anybody else that you can go. Oh, yeah, are you doing it like this? Really? You yeah. Know, that's there to hand every day. And I oh. think to have something that kind of takes you through, kind of what is the key thing? What are the key things you need to think about? What are the key things to reflect on I think that's incredibly useful I think it gives people that confidence really yeah I think that's so important I mean for most of my career um, I was the reception teacher or sometimes I was the infant teacher you know I was in very tiny schools and I had the whole of the infants in one class together or I'd have you know most of my career I taught mixed reception year one and it was only when I went to I think it was my fifth school that I was part of a team and I was part of a very big team of six teachers. I was a revelation, you know. (laughs) But then there was the anxiety of looking through the door and seeing what was going on next door and thinking, oh, I'm not doing that, you know. (laughs) Um, You know, and and I suppose, like you, I mean, I I read it uh, before I went into teaching, I read at uni, then you get into the classroom and you get really busy and you just don't have time to read and you're kind of getting on with it and you sort of hope that what you're doing is the right thing. And and so, you know, I think had there been something like this that I could have just picked up, because it is a nice, easy read, you know, it doesn't take you long to read a chapter and reflect. I think I would have queried some of my own practice. I w- it would have given me the confidence because it is a lonely place in, in school sometimes and you are questioned by people who perhaps don't understand why you do what you do. And to have something like this to say, well, actually, this is the theory behind it and this is the why, I think is, is really powerful. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us for the podcast. It's been fantastic to speak to you both. Um, congratulations on the book. It is superb. Um, with, yeah, as I say, we're stocking it early excellence. If people want to come along to the centre, they can get a copy, uh, but it's also available online as well. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Really interesting you, conversations Andy. and discussions. Thanks, Andy. Thanks.
and that's about it from us for this week. Um, thank you very much to Ruth and to Aaron for joining us on the podcast. I really, really enjoyed having a chat with you. Really interesting. Lots, lots of things that we talked about. And uh, yeah, two people who make a lot of sense, I have to say. Um, so yeah, thank you very much to Ruth and Aaron for joining us and also to you people at home for listening as well. Um, you people who are listening, if you're on your half-term break this week, enjoy your time off. Have a really good rest. Have a good break. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Early Excellence Podcast. Mm-hmm.